0: I got you again. Huh. You are quite the trickster.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm eight years old. This is all I got. That's <laughs> what your wife says too. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the obligatory question: How is the weather in Coronado today? Don't even feel like talking. It's, it's, it's a horrible day. 78 mm. used to eight. Like my skin is all weird because i my skin's got used to 80 degrees. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know. What else can you report? Uh, a new H spot. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's good. Okay. Anything else? Uh, uh, I had a rather good poop this morning All too. right. Well, thank you. We're glad. I'm just trying to see if we can entice a consumer brand toilet paper DTC startup to advertise on our show. <laughs> <laughs> what will the name of it be and should we do it through? Uh, Listen, good enough for Howie. It's good enough for pretty much any shit. Right. That would be the tagline. Uh, use the same toilet paper that Harry uses to wipe his ass. <laughs> oh, that, It reminds me of a joke that I can't tell. It's far too political. Why can't great. you tell a joke? Uh, no, this one I can't. Okay. Well, speaking of DTC, uh, I, I rarely bring on lately our own founders, but uh, I asked Amit to uh, be on, on, on because e-commerce is you know, near and dear to my heart. All I think about is DTC. You know we're investors in manscape and customer but you know behind the scenes of all this dtc you know the shopify's and the amazon's and and the Zendes, uh, are in the fedex and the amazon prime and are other software companies that like power this phenomenon so unsung heroes we would say of the uh, sas dtc uh, e-commerce boom so they they're not famous because they don't need to be famous. They they sell to they sell to customers like Sonos, they sell to Levi, they help Neiman Marcus, Gap, Away, all these brands mm-hmm. track the last mile of delivery. So I mean worked at Apple. We met randomly through Angel List, you know, looking for deals, met him in San Francisco, immediately loved the company. This was probably five years ago. And they've gone on to build a huge uh uh, e-commerce company, and I wanted to talk to somebody who's had to see ground level what it's like to deal with both big-box retailers, you know, Neiman Marcus, or you know, maybe I can't—I can't remember if they're out of business uh, or, or in bankruptcy—versus <laughs> all these thousands of Shopify customers that need their pack; they need state-of-the-art software. So one thing is, if you're going to compete with Amazon, it's just table stakes. has got to. Uh, state-of-the-art software, both for customer support and tracking logistics. So Narvar is part of that system. I want to have a meet on the show. He's the founder, and so we're just going to get geeky around e-commerce. That means, you know, what you can do, Kanu, you can go to the bathroom. Just make sure the tapes are running because you're not interested in any of this. Oh, I am interested. Oh, okay, you are. Always. Just check it. Yep. So let's get them on.
0: Sounds good. Hello, Harvard. How are you? What's doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, my family is really getting to know me really well during these times now. <laughs> so, well, we know your daughter. She came and did
1: the, your daughter, it's a cool story. Your daughter came to a, a Palooza, one of our events, and actually did the the company update to our LPs. What,
0: is that three yeah. years ago, two years ago, you think? Almost three years ago. And we love Paloozas. Any opportunity that we have to attend one of those, we'll, we jump on it. And yeah, I, I remember uh, being uh, in, in one of the annual events and um, Narva is doing something amazing and cool. And I brought my daughter along so that uh, we can spend time after the event. And I just saw that, hey, let's have her speak about Narvar And I think she did a tremendous job in explaining who we are and what we do.
1: Yeah, if we hadn't been investors, luckily we were. We would have had a retina check. But uh, <laughs> how old is she now? 14, 12? 15 now. 15. So what's it yeah. been like? It's hard to have. So how many kids do you have in the house right now, tutoring? Three
0: Three kids. Uh, uh, Annika is 15 years old. Our son just turned 13. And my youngest daughter is 8 year old.
1: And how busy has it been for you? It's hard, huh?
0: It is busy because, you know, just like anyone else, uh, you know, when when you are um, in a growth mode, you're spending time with your customers, your employees in a multiple locations. Uh, Now, all that is on Zoom or Skype and weekdays and weekends are all blurred. So long times uh, on the computer, but then you force yourself to take a break and um, get some fresh air and spend some time um, on dinner table or outdoors with your family. And where are you? Are you in the Valley? Yeah, I'm in yeah in the Bay Area, yes.
1: And how many people now at the company that you're managing?
0: Uh, just shy of 200 people.
1: And when did you think the world was going to be different? When did you say, uh-oh, COVID?
0: It was um, in February timeframe. I was actually in Europe, uh, and they saw an early spike, and we have a few offices there between London, Munich, and Paris. I was in Paris and, you know, Italy saw the first spike and some of our employees were uh, there for, on a ski break. And then it realized and it hit us pretty quickly that, hey, this is this is real deal. It's not just in Asia. This is in Europe and soon to follow in in the U.S. So I would say uh, in um, mid-February time frame.
1: So let's now tell people what uh Mid February, so you were so so you started seeing the numbers, and and then obviously you going just there's nothing you can do to your customers toward them. You're just going to end up. They're going to listen to you or not listen to you. You're just you just saw that coming. So so tell people a little bit about Narvar, the company, what it does, and when you started.
0: Yeah, so um, I started Narvar um, late 2012, Narvar. Uh, early 2013. So uh, seven plus years now. And uh, prior to starting the company, I was at Apple. Um, working as a product manager, looking at their online store and e-commerce um, uh, business. And what I saw uh, Apple and before that I was at Walmart, that companies, these are literally Fortune 1 and Fortune 2 companies, um, is one thing to really attract consumers on a digital channel, um, but it's equally hard and, and and complex to retaining those customers once they buy online. Uh, because there is that expectations get set when you place place an order online, you have given your money, um, but you you have not received your goods or services. So where is my order? When can I get it? Can I change my uh, items? Can I return it, exchange it? All these things happen once actually the transaction is complete online. And these are really um, customer experience driven uh, touch points too. And there, we couldn't find any technology or a platform or a solution to solve these uh, consumer-facing challenges, or also the problems that merchants and retailers are facing uh, uh, online. And that was one of the key calling for me to start something uh, in a meaningful fashion that really becomes the one of the core building blocks of broader commerce ecosystem.
1: It, like at the beginning when we invested, people didn't think it was a big enough idea, correct?
0: That is correct, and 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 the first time around, um, the feedback from uh, from the investor community was, "Hey, this is just a feature. Uh, we don't see this as a SaaS platform or this space big enough to be uh, uh, to invest in." So this is nice and cute feature, uh, but not big enough opportunity. Um, so that was the first time go around in two thousand thirteen, I, be, I believe, and then. In fourteen, we went back on on angel list when we saw the customer traction, and then got got the story. Hey, we are onto something there.
1: And so, let's give a breakdown of like the type of customers that use you.
0: Yes, so um, we started um, on on the enterprise side. So big um, global multi-channel brands are uh, where we started uh, our business. Uh, so companies like whether it is Gap or Sephora or others, that's where I know we have our, um, our focus area. But that has evolved now, um, not only in the US, we operate globally. So we have a strong customer base in Europe and then we are expanding in APAC. Um, and then second piece is that um, it's not just the enterprise companies, uh, both with uh, physical, st- physical stores or online. We are seeing in last seven years, just the whole um, D2C brands that have taken off, and early on we did work with uh, whether it is Bonobos or Warby Parker or Bobble Bar or a Dollar Shave Club. All of these companies have taken off amazingly well, and and you know in, in the last few years we have been investing in uh, in the D2C uh, brands as well. And how do you how do we offer a platform that um, addresses all these challenges uh, behind the scenes for uh, for the companies?
1: And before you came along, what did it look like? you go online because you know it's so amazing, when I, like order from Crate and Barrel or, or one of your customers to see, you know, your software show up in my, in my wife's or my inbox. So, so what was it before Narva? What was the inspiration?
0: So, I think that that uh, two components here: what is the consumer's uh, point of view, and what is the merchant's uh, point of view. You know, uh, from consumer's point of view, I have made a commitment. I have opened my wallet. I've given you the payment, and now I expect not only my goods to be de- delivered to me at home or office, but I need to be, uh, you know, have that peace of mind that everything is moving along uh, smoothly. Um, on the on the merchant side, um, there is very little to no information available. The only thing merchants know prior to Narvar is that, hey, they have received that order, they have got that payment authorization, and we have given over, given that goods to our supply chain or logistics partner, and that's the end of it. But in reality, the transaction only is complete when you actually deliver uh, the goods or the products to the end consumer. So that gap existed. And the reason for the gap is that when you are you and I are shopping uh, at Neiman Marcus or, uh, or Nordstrom, we walk into a store, we like what we want to buy, we pay, and we walk away with the goods. So there is no post-purchase um, service or need at that time. But in the online world, the final mile uh, has a lot of different moving parts. And and that's that's where the friction point is. A, a merchant may do nine things right, but if you miss the delivery a package is broken or not delivered, then a you know, customer is going to give you one star. Uh, and they're not going to come back. So prior to Narvar, historically, what we see in the market is that um, merchants um, make customers deal with the supply chain companies, or or the courier, or the carriers who are not um, set up or are suited to have that customer facing experience that they that consumers are expecting.
1: So that is that is what got me excited. It was all about. But when I was excited, I can You couldn't have. Talk to me about Amazon Prime or Shopify because when we invested, when you were doing this, and you were still at Apple, and we met in San Francisco, this world that you see today did not exist. So it was all about big box retailers. What has surprised you the most in the seven years about the merchant side? I'm sure there's a few things. So go through it. What are like the biggest explosions that that helped Narvar in e-commerce? Go? Is it Shopify, Amazon Prime? Is it uh, what is it?
0: I think so, like two or three things. At, at the base level, um, you know, merchants, they're also tuned in for at the transactional level. Stores comp year over year. Um, the mindset shift in and, and big box and big merchants that, hey, yes, we need to make sure our operations are efficient at the transactional level, at the order level but we do want to invest on the experience. That's that's what drives customer engagement and long-term loyalty. And that's what they have learned over a period of time after seeing the phenomenal takeoff from Amazon and Amazon Prime that you have to invest in the customer engagement and customer experience. It took some time for merchants to realize, but that is clear now that they see the value there. Second part is that You know, no matter how you and I are using Amazon Prime today, but consumers do love having that choice and convenience. Um, So Amazon Prime absolutely give us a convenience, but the choice—the choice that I can buy a boutique product or one of a kind product that is available on a small challenger or an up and coming brand—that is honestly that was surprised me. Yes. Before that, ten years ago, eBay was there and uh, still there, and Etsy and others. But the way um, boutique brands took off and now they are mainstream—that was really surprised. And obviously fueled by few things, not only Shopify, but Amazon and AWS that allows all these companies to take off uh, at at um, very efficient operating costs.
1: Amazing and. Today, what's the split between big box and DTC, if you can say?
0: I mean, it's changing, changing by the day. Um, and wow. it's a, honestly, it's a, a tale of two cities uh, right. where we see it, right? Pre-COVID and post-COVID, it just got accelerated by three to five years. Wow. Um, so a so few things, right? So, um, And there's a longer uh, a, a conversation that's happening in the society that, you know, physical location and the role of physical location, whether they are standalone stores, or there are malls, right? So that all those things are changing dramatically. Um, so for us, what we see is in our portfolio roughly forty uh, percent is omni-channel retailers, and then sixty percent mm-hmm. of our customers are D two C brands or digital native companies.
1: What was that before COVID? Like just six months ago,
0: it was not that different. Somewhere there, but sure. obviously we are seeing um, even um, the omni-channel brands are are are. Um, CPG companies, where um, I mean, they have in you know, all these channels, but they are investing more and more on the on the digital uh, front.
1: There had to be a point in March where the numbers just went blisteringly down. That that had to be scary. No matter what, just there was a, a blinking of the, you know, the stock market. Was there a blinking of e-commerce? Because obviously you had to brace for people panicking and what did they do first, they they cut costs. So what was the worst part of, of COVID even for an e-commerce company, software company like yourself? What did you see that you were like, uh-oh? Oh.
0: I think it's a big, scary moment for us was, um, it's not just um, the, in the SaaS business, as you know, Howard, it's not just the ARR and the ARR growth. Um, and I was not paying attention to be honest up until COVID is the um, not just the renewal but the actual payment collection. Ninety nine percent of time when the account or, or the business renew our contract, you know, we'll eventually collect our money in, in days outstanding. So very specifically, what uh, post COVID I and my CFO were uh, tuning into days outstanding that went just significantly up, and the reason okay. for that was. All these enterprise retailers and merchants, they're all looking at their balance sheet and their capex and seeing, sure. you know, who to pay and who not to pay. So, And then big uh, enterprise ERC, ERP companies can weather that storm, but up-and-coming startup companies such as Narwar, we got to be really, really tuned in uh, to the days outstanding on our payment and collection. So that was uh, a big, scary moment for first, call it 30 to 60 days for us.
1: Wow. And no, I remember. And so what was the, what was the decision cut early? Like how many people did you have to let go? Like for other families listening?
0: Yeah. So for us, you know, early on, uh, in the uh, first week of April, not realizing where the uh, the financial market is going, where the retailer uh, are investing and plus consumers, um, what they're going to buy, you know, um, in terms of essential goods or non-essential goods there are a lot of unknown. And forecasting for the rest of the year, we have to make adjustment and, and decision early on. And we have to uh, make this adjustment in terms of um, cost cutting by 15%. Got it.
1: And when did you see things start to normalize in the e-commerce side? So uh, the,
0: the, the interesting part here was that on one side, we were seeing on, on the business decisions that retailers were uh, making. On the other side, we saw a significant increase on, on the transaction volume, because stores are closed, customers are still buying, and they're buying online. So um, it, it was very surreal experience. That one one hand, uh, there are cost cutting measures that are happening uh, in the retail and uh, industry. At the same time, volume is going up two x, three x. The things that we would typically see two years from now, we were seeing that uh, all the way early on in April itself. And also, when you dissect that. Um, you know as you can uh, expect um, some of our customers you know the in luxury category or 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 in uh, consideration purchase they are down 30 40 50% but then there are uh, customers that we have they are up by 300 400 500 times because they are in the essential goods category or consumable category that people want to buy and people want to buy now
1: and so what has there been a company that's a narvar you know, DTC brand that's just like standing ovation that like stands out and just done a great job. You probably see so many cool up-and-comers, right? Because you're right there in the transaction. So it's all more the consumer, like the the CPGs are really what's
0: exploding? No, I mean, even, um, you know, uh, in terms of uh, companies that are trending well or the categories that are trending well, I and mean, you will see, of course, essential goods and all that. Uh, we see... Um, you know uh, in, in in categories like even um, toys and indoor games um, and as I'm, I'm sure you may see that uh, on on your portfolio gaming industry is having a boom so uh, for us that equivalent of that is that someone is you know keeping their kids busy or they need a new console or they need uh, a, a, a activity to keep them busy so that category is trending well electronics uh, goods and accessories are Again, we see a lot of goods are on back order four, six weeks out. So that's another one. Um, and you uh, see um, uh, Palaton, I mean, these are some of these things are public as well. Uh, if you want to order a Palaton bike, and that is four to six weeks, eight weeks on, uh, uh, on the fulfillment time. So uh, of course, some luxury categories are down, but then you see uh, these different areas uh, where um, business is booming. I don't see Peloton's logo on your set. Are they a customer? Uh, yes, they are. Sweet. Okay, True
1: Ventures. Otherwise, I'd have to call them. Do we have Manscaped yet as a customer? Do I have to get him on the phone and shame him right here?
0: Yeah, we should. We should. Yeah, that that should be. They should be using, um, yeah, what.
1: All right, that's on me. Everybody, just remind me, Knut. every podcast, Howard, has, has, has Manscaped converted yet?
0: Whatever, whatever. That's
1: just not cool. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you charge customers. So from a retailer with boxes to somebody like uh, Peloton, how does it work? Is it per transaction or is it a monthly service charge or is it per seat? How do you do it?
0: Yeah. And and we are learning and we are adopting uh, the different models as well. So uh, on a highest level, uh, there's a platform fee. Uh, It's a single or multi-year contract. Um, And then there's a a transaction fee that uh, we charge uh, based on the number of orders or transactions going through our platform. Um, and then, since we have multiple products, uh, a customer may buy one or multiple products in one geo or 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 global licenses. So that's the highest level of framework that we use.
1: So the product works. So it's FedEx. You like the product works. So what do you work on, on the product? Like so, what what's the constant iteration about, or is it just new products in that last mile
0: for Nervur? So, yeah, so a couple of things, right? So when we started um, the company, the first area that we focus was the gap between placing an order and receiving it. Uh, so if you look at the customer service call centers, this is one of your investment on customer and others. Uh, typically an online e-commerce company will say see anywhere between 30 to 50% of their customer contacts around uh, in post-purchase. Uh, where is my order? I didn't receive it. How do I return it? Can I exchange it? So that's half of the customer contacts are in in this area. So first was how do we provide a branded experience, which is um, whether it is for a Dollar Shave Club or or Bonobos or others, how do we provide that experience, which is completely branded uh, and proactive? So instead of consumer every day or two looking at, Hey, let me check, on the carrier's website, where is my adder? We will proactively inform via SMS or email or WhatsApp to tell you whether the order is getting on time or delayed or, or other things that may be happening there. So that's the first product. The second product that we launched was: hey, once you have received the products, there are, you know, the customer journey doesn't end at that time, especially in the categories like apparel, footwear returns rates are anywhere between 25 to 40% in some cases even 50% so and those are predominantly because of fit or style or change of mind so how do i make it easy for consumers to for them to return their item how when and where they want to and on the other side merchants they want to make sure they get their goods back at, back as quickly as possible so that they can put it back on shelf and and not worrying about taking a discount or selling at uh, you know at a lower cost so returns product that we launched few years ago in fact is the fastest growing uh, product on our in, in our portfolio uh, in terms of how do we make it easy for them to return or exchange their goods
1: that's my biggest headache is and i've said this forever it's like if i you know, to be, I have a coach and I have people that advise me on how to be more efficient, etc. And it's like the number one reason I'm not efficient is I can't, this is why I invested in you, to solved my personal problems, is I stress, like I get AG, I don't know, is AG Jeans a customer? Yeah, AG Jeans, uh, yeah. What a headache it was. Like, so they are not doing a good job.
0: Yeah, so I think, so that that's what it is, right? So because, and uh, here's the interesting thing that we have learned over the years. Consumers will not buy from a DC, DTC channel if they don't know uh, the returns policy that are easy to understand or easy to follow. Because the headache that Howard is talking about, I'm not going to buy if I don't know whether I can return it what I, you know, and how easy that is. I'm going to just you know go somewhere where it is easy and clear, uh, or I can just walk into a store and buy there. So oftentimes, what we see is that when you implement convenient returns options, your online purchase actually goes up.
1: Yeah, AG Jeans should be able to convert me hundred percent, and they almost—they've got me so pissed. Uh, You know, obviously because I'm not near a store. Like in Phoenix, there's now an AG Jeans store. But listen, I'm not against shopping uh, online. But I'm against everybody's body so different. The odds of a guy who's late to e-commerce being comfortable ordering like me, even Lulu, it's 80% not fits me, even though I feel I know the brand. With AG jeans, it's 80% doesn't fit me. So knowing that AG Jean's a customer, that's a huge opportunity for, for Narvar. The whole the whole man e-commerce thing, I know Stitch Fix, I have an unboxing to do of Stitch Fix. You know, I I know it's gonna be a disaster, but I have an unboxing to do because i I finally just went to Stitch Fix to see. Um, but you know, to see if a stylist could get me right. But you know, I love my brands and i can't purchase them in a covid world if they can if they're making me need to get an executive assistant in order to handle the returns you know when do they tip and, and understand that how do they measure that how does AG genes measure that or how does narvar so, push them over the hump
0: so a couple of things right so uh, the two or three uh, kpis that we work with our customers are are we giving a really engaging and immersive consumer experience? Uh, just like how they spend so much time, energy, and money on the landing page and product pages, what is the bookend to that online investment they're making on their product pages and their website? That's the first thing that we talk about. Second we talk about is that you know on the operational cost front, you know, how can we reduce their operating structure so that they can invest in the right areas? So if we know that we can actually avoid that customer service call, hey, when can I get my refund?
1: Versus the TTC. Yeah.
0: yeah. So there is that piece of it. And third is that if you uh, you know, if you actually provide those experiences, what we have seen is that cohort analysis with few customers that we have done, if you have Three um, orders in span of 90 days that you had really good experience, your lifetime value goes up by 10 times because now you're creating that muscle memory with that brand that, hey, they get me, even though there will a little bit nuances, but I enjoy shopping and they will take care of. So those are the metrics that we work really, really closely with our brands and merchants and say, hey, let's see how we can move the needle on all these three areas.
1: A big question: Are you hiring right now, or are you still in wait and see mode?
0: We are hiring, and the reason we are hiring is that in the customer base that we work with, we in our sales cycle is anywhere between four to six months. So we know, call it you know seventy percent plus or minus, how we're going to end our next two quarters. Um, so what that means is that we have to continue to build uh, our uh, resource pool in terms of. Um, you know, uh, on the product innovation on one side and the, and then the you know, working uh, with our customers very closely. And do you invest in public stocks? Um, Not that often because I'm like now fully dedicated <laughs> on, on, on the narvar front. But
1: you are, disclosure, you're an LPNR fund. So is eco, if you were to invest in stocks, which companies, would it be 100% e-commerce? Are you bullish on e-commerce or is there some area of the internet and that excites you post COVID, like the trends that you see?
0: Um e-commerce uh, or the digital commerce um, you know, is, is really interesting to us. So um, that definitely for me is one big area. And it, health uh, is also uh, is, to me is r- ripe for disruption. Um, just like seven years ago or ten years ago, um, you know, we were going to stores or malls, and now, you know, this is all convenient. I believe whether it is on the medical devices or prescription or getting some Health or advice from uh, medical practitioners also a right for innovation. So less about the hospitals and service providers, but more on the technology companies who are uh, out there in a disrupting telehealth or or just more of digital health is is personally also very exciting to me.
1: And do you feel so? Covid was like uh, a black swan for e-commerce. Like in many ways, like first you had the fear, like company, like big box retailers going bankrupt, but now we've kind of, you can kind of, like you saying, you're kind of six months ahead. You can kind of see where the big problems are. Obviously um, what, what is it that you would worry about today as, a, as someone in the digital e-commerce space?
0: I mean, things that I cannot control, but I'm, I still worry about, uh, are more of the macro market trends, right? So, Um, not only the health crisis, which is still far from over, um, you know, at least in the US, you know, we have uh, a general election coming up. Uh, If you are in California, you have fires and evictions. Uh, So, so many disruptions and with, uh, you know, working base, with managing kids at home and schools, a lot of disruption um, and that creates a lot of anxiety and unknown uh, with the consumer and shopper. So, that's where, and I worry about what is that back half of the year going to look like when, you know, typically shopping season uh, for Halloween and Thanksgiving and, and, and uh, Christmas, they are all lined up October, November, December. And that's where the biggest unknown is um, the consumer and their appetite to spending um, in, in the back half of the year.
1: And is Shopify in some way a competitor or are they, have they been a tailwind for you?
0: A mix of both. Uh, I mean, uh, Shopify is an amazing platform that you know uh, enables um, entrepreneurs to get started uh, quickly. But they also build their own tools and 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 uh, services that uh, uh, that merch- uh, the merchants and entrepreneurs can use. So I think there's a as uh, a, a right balance there. And uh, but honestly, for us, it's less about Shopify. Um, for us, the bigger question is that. When is a brand ready to invest in customer engagement versus customer acquisition? When you are in a sub million or sub five or sub 10 million, you are still in the growth mode in acquiring your customer and uh, engaging and retaining and driving revenue um, may not be the first thing uh, in their minds at that time. So for us also, where can we focus and and get the most efficiency um, uh, for for our, our customers?
1: So if I have a million-dollar Howie Lindzen Shopify store, you're saying it's not in my interest to even worry about it or I'd have to be smart enough to know that this... Why wouldn't I want to? Is it just cost? Or why wouldn't I want to have this if I had a million-dollar store?
0: I mean, no, absolutely. I don't worry about it. But your your operations are more likely to be um, you know, relatively uh, simple. That means that you may have one warehouse, um, you may have one carrier... Uh, you may have you know very simple solution on customer service so so you know the, there may not be as much complexity that would warrant uh, a premium product such as narvar at that point um so that's where i mean of course there are challenges on a daily basis there as well uh, but given where narvar is um, and our, our focus has been on the enterprise in the mid market uh while there's a significant opportunity on the sub-five, sub-million dollars, but we're not there yet. And uh, do the kids know what
1: you do? Like, because they're, they're ordering your wife, they're ordering stuff online. Do they get it?
0: They do. Uh, and now that they're shopping online and they can see, hey, yes, when I order from Vans or when I order from X brand, you know, I do see how sometimes um, there is a gap on the customer experience or when they see Narvar, they're delighted to see, oh yeah, I know this brand and I know what they do now. And international versus
1: U.S. What what's the differences in terms of brands understanding, or you want to use last mile, or what country gets it
0: best? So internationally, uh, Europe is very uh, complex because um, languages. You know, you support eighteen languages uh, or locales in in Europe. Um, you know, to get up and running, you are working with a dozen different 3PL providers and service providers. Um, So it is, uh, Europe is quite complex from there, Uh, but in in other regards, they do understand uh, the value of it. And so they do um, uh, invest in these areas. When it comes to APAC, every market is very different. Japan is very different than Australia. We do have operations in India, which is very different. Um, You may know this, Howard. I mean, in India, 60% uh, e-commerce is cash on delivery. So you have to physically open your wallet when a delivery person comes to your home to give them uh, the cash in order to receive your goods.
1: And so, and then today, the structure of the company, how, what was the last round? You raised a Series B or C?
0: Series C, we raised 2018. Uh, yes, yeah, so almost two years ago, we raised uh, 35 then and total of 65 million. And
1: Remember way back in the first round, what was our raise? What was the raise early on?
0: Early on, I think you joined uh and the seed side. I think we must have raised 2.5 somewhere there, Million.
1: 2.5. And then and then uh, she was on my show, so um Freestyle came Jenny. in, Jenny.
0: Yeah, Jenny yeah. came in. Um, and then um, so that was the, the initial seed round of 2.5. Jenny led that round from Freestyle. And then Brian O'Malley came in in series A and then we raised 10 from Excel.
1: Wow. Is this the last one for you? Or is it It is. is, uh, Can Narvar be a public company? Do you you feel like there's enough? I mean, it feels to me that it can be. Is that the ultimate goal for Narvar?
0: So uh, from the uh, revenue and the growth perspective, absolutely, we see ourselves a a huge independent company. Um, And uh, of course, uh, whether it is uh, a public op route or continue to stay private. Um, that that's the decision with the board and the investors. Uh, but absolutely a significant opportunity. I mean, overall, you know, pre COVID, uh, only ten percent of commerce was happening uh, online. Now it's closer to eighteen to twenty percent. It's still just twenty percent. Uh, And and we we absolutely believe that uh, we are getting started. The best thing that when I think about you, Howard, the way I think about these things is that if you look at any online commerce, anytime you actually make a transaction, there are two key functions that you do, billing and then shipping. Billing, companies like Stripe and Braintree, they made it easy that, you know, just one integration and any different kind of payment or tenders you can accept. That's what we see ourselves. We are the shipping gateway where from customer pixel to all the way to package, we optimize that experience for consumer as well as for the merchants. And then from that regard, we are one of the key building blocks for the broader commerce and absolutely was us and our peer group. And it's a huge market opportunity for us to be a big independent company. That is a lot different pitch than I got at the bar in the hotel. It is because, you know, look at the mind-numbing 25 fields that you and I fill out just to just check out. And all Mm -hmm. that we are doing is, one is the billing side of it, payment, whether it is your Apple Pay or credit card or debit card, and where do you want to ship? And all these things do matter. Whether you want to pick it up at a nearby store or do you want to pick up at the carrier location or do you want to just deliver to you in a time slot when and where you want it? And if I'm able to really make that as a one integration and and provide the immersive experience that consumers are looking for it. That's what we are striving to enable uh, in the broader e-commerce. And the bigger thing, Robert, is that fundamentally consumers are looking for choice and convenience. And and companies like Amazon have set the bar like what that convenience looks like. Our mission now is to give that choice to end consumer and where all these uh, big box retailers and D2C brands We need to make sure they step up their game in in these areas so that consumers will have the choice to shop with their favorite brands online.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is so exciting. I mean, you've positioned the company. I mean, Bravo, you've positioned the company. I haven't done anything, but you positioned the company beautifully. I think it can be a huge public company, obviously. Uh, so I'm excited that you're you're still gung ho. I'm sure it's been a really kind of brutal year, and I think what's working in your favor, and then we'll talk about acquisitions and, and who else is in the space quickly, and then I'll let you go. Is you know people just don't understand that like some of these how how consolidated this stuff is getting. Yes, there's Stripe, but like people don't know that PayPal made a genius acquisition in Braintree where they got Venmo as well. You know people think of PayPal and maybe they don't. They don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. This is like a, a epic planetary battle of the century for this pipeline of you know, getting to that customer directly, kind of like the cable companies getting that last mile into the house. This last mile is just priceless almost.
0: Yeah, I mean, and honestly, we don't mind um, being the Intel chip behind the scenes doing amazing things on behalf of our brands and customers. Not every single amazing company has to be you know, glamorous and out there. And sometimes you have to do work. And that's the reason we strive to be the Intel, uh, using that our platform and intelligence and data to enable these experiences on behalf of brands and elevate these brands and experience versus us being on the forefront.
1: So hiring today, what, what are you hiring for? The people listening, what's what, what's key hires right now for, for Narvar?
0: So a couple of things, right? So on hiring is that, how do we continue to um, invest in our product and innovation? Uh, things that are in our table stakes now, we fully realize three years from now will be different. And our job is continue to experiment, continue to tease out consumer behavior and experience and enable this examples. Uh, behavior. I'll give you a specific example. Post-COVID, Howard, the biggest ask from consumer uh, was, hey, if I have to return, I can't even print uh, the UPS or FedEx label. Why? Correct. Because I don't even have a printer at home. Right. I, in the past, I was using printer at my office location, not now. So, so print, yeah, printer sales have gone through the roof. Like
1: I had a couple traders say that, and they guess that Hewlett Packard was going to have a huge number because that's probably a reason, other than kids at home, that people have to buy printers.
0: So what we have seen, within a few weeks, we enable these capabilities that we will generate a QR code that you can walk into a carrier location, whether it's UPS or FedEx, and you can wow. scan it, uh, and they will print the label on your behalf. And wow. we have seen, depending on the brand, anywhere between 20 to 40% of consumers are using that QR code. First of all, it's easy, hassle-free, and then I don't have to worry about you know, the printer and the ink and toner, and then carriers will take care of you. And it's a new
1: technology. The Asians were using QR codes forever. And we did we ignored it. And then COVID just said, wait a minute, like with menus and with returns at e-commerce, QR codes became the shizzle.
0: Absolutely. And plus, you know, uh, no contact, right? So nope. it's a lot of these things come into picture. So to answer your question, we are hiring in product and uh, our engineering, engineering always, we continue to hire there. Um, and we are growing our uh, our customer list, which is amazing. Uh, so how do we continue to invest in our customers? That means account management uh, is a big area for us to invest. Uh, our data and analytics team uh, is continuing to, uh, you know, look at some amazing projects. So there as well, so literally across the board we are seeing. Uh, and and the, the interesting thing is that now that everybody's working totally in a distributed environment you know we continue to keep the bar high and higher uh, regardless where they're located in the U S or internationally.
1: If there's three, listen, let's use my audience. Are there three brands that you're just chasing down that you would just love to have?
0: You know, again, they, they are in, in, um, in, in different categories, right? So for us, and you, you mentioned electronics, electronics category, and we have lower penetration there. So we love to work with electronics category. Sonos okay. love it. Logitech love it. Both of our customers so any D2c brand on the electronic side uh, is, is a really good area for us to invest. The other one out and uh, Howard you and I have not spoken uh, on this one you know in last couple of years we have made our platform completely HIPAA compliant which you know we spend million dollar plus to just to do that because security and privacy in, in healthcare is a whole different level versus buying a t-shirt or a jeans online. So with that, you know, we are expanding really aggressively in the healthcare, both on the prescriptions that are getting delivered to customers or patients home rather, and same thing, medical devices, whether it is diabetic or other devices that patients are receiving at their homes or at the elder care uh, center. So that's another area that we are very really bullish about. And, and as I said, uh, we are seeing a tremendous growth and traction. So those are two categories come to mind where, you know, we are really, um, positive and bullish
1: about. Okay. People listening, if you want to help out, you want to get back to our shows, just reach out to me and I'll introduce you. But we want leads to help Narvar grow their business because it's a win-win piece of software. So I get it. And then is there like a prize? Do you guys have Nike yet? What is there a prize consumer brand that we could help with?
0: Uh, We do. You know how it is. Sometimes we mention the name when we cannot, but literally um, the number okay. one uh, apparel company and, and, and athletic company is on our platform. Okay.
1: And what about Lulu?
0: Um, yes. So again, <laughs> yes, we, we, I don't know whether you know, my uh, PR team will say that yes or no, but yeah, we are working with one of those companies as well. So my work is done. I'm so happy <laughs> for you. So are you Landscape.
1: feeling, are you, and, and what do you think about work from home? How are you going to treat it in the future? Do you think?
0: You know, uh, by the way, you and I were actually planning to meet in Europe um, last year. Uh, you were yep. there with your wife and, and taking a break and I was about to be there or not. Um, you know, I'm not sure about how, how much you spend time uh, on the road or, or have, been, have been doing that. I was spending, call it 150 days, maybe 175, half of my time. But I realized that, um, you know, a lot of that now I'm convinced that I was initially skeptical that can be done. Over Skype or Zoom or other technologies, so that's one thing. And being in the Bay Area, even the office commute, um, you know, for me personally was at least an hour each way. Now I can be more productive, be more efficient, and touch as many customers as possible. Be with my employees as much as possible, and have these, you know, really engaging conversation with you and other investors. I would rather do that versus being on an airport or, or, or stuck in a traffic. And then I use that time to for a forcing function for me, just go out for, for a, a, a quick run or a, or a quick bike ride to just balance my energy and my crazy schedule. And so I, I'm on a, on a camp that in a, if I can avoid travel and minimize that to 10 to 20% when everything opens up, I will be in a good place.
1: All right. Well, I got a million other questions, but we'll have you back. Uh, just to give people a break, you know, I think an hour is enough. I uh, Is there anything I missed about the company? Because obviously I did. Is there anything that we should know about the company and the growth or the company and the opportunity or the product that I can help with now that I have all these listeners?
0: If I, I fail uh, to ask a question. No, no, no. I think this is great. I think the one thing is that once you hear about Narwar and when you see your own shopping, you will start to recognize us more. Right? Because, uh, you know, we are powering, just to give you some stats, uh, we touch 125 million unique users in this country. That is 75% wow. of shopping population. We process over six to seven billion transactions annually on annual platform. So most likely your listeners um, may have experienced Narmar, but they may not be aware of it. So our ask is that hey, if you want to make uh, a better uh, want us to make a better consumer experience or better capability or use cases that you want us to solve, Please let us know. We are here for end consumers and the brands that we serve.
1: And so, as you as you spread out, is there have you thought about other acquisitions? Or you're not going. I don't want you to say anything. But like, if you raise capital, would be for acquisitions now, or would it just be for pure growth? Or are there companies that you see in this space that you're going to run into? Can you can you talk briefly about that?
0: No, absolutely. I think it will be former as you mentioned. If we were to raise money, it will purely be for acquisition an acquisition and you know, we think about our product suites and our product capabilities that we offer in the market and this is where and I would love to get your advice as well typically what we see is that if any company can augment our product capabilities uh, that's where I get excited because you know we are um, you know heads down in our space but things that we may not have thought about or that we can add to our suite is more exciting compared to players who are in this space because I wait I would get lower multiple uh, because I'm doing that already. I would get much higher ROI if someone can help us, you know, really expand our product capabilities.
1: Got it. But you don't have a corp dev team formally, so you're doing it yourself. So I've got to I've got to get you on the phone separately and we'll go through this. But I have some ideas. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. So we don't have a, a dedicated corp dev is working with our investors and and you to just really understand uh, what all that we ought to be doing.
1: So now I'm seeing a ton of Shopify this and Shopify that. That's good for Narvar. You want more platforms like Shopify, yes or no?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, big commerce, uh, again, Magento, all these things. We love a vibrant ecosystem, whether D2C brands or commerce ecosystem, so that we can make it easier for consumers and merchants alike uh, to navigate this new e-commerce ecosystem.
1: Who I don't know if you're allowed to say this. So I don't want to get you in trouble. It, someone came knocking on your door tomorrow with the offer. Who is the company most likely that wouldn't shock you that came knocking on your door and says, we have to have Narvar? In your mind, you wake up one day and go, well, that was obvious.
0: Yeah, I mean, s- similar thesis and of whether we acquire companies company or someone, uh, someone who is interested in Narvar, right? the core competency that we have built, the core building block, how do we fit uh, in their portfolio and where do we add value? That's where, you know, we get excited. So, you know, companies who are playing in this digital in commerce and customer experience, uh, and where we can add value, that's where it wouldn't be surprised where either through product partnership or, or, a, or a bigger play uh, with those companies. So in my mind,
1: if I woke up one day and day, it's a Shopify, yeah, that, that would that be shocking or is that a company that possibly would think about this space? To own,
0: it could be either way. I mean, uh, you know, uh, they have made it clear that they are in- investing in supply chain and fulfillment. Um, to your point, whether they build, buy, or partner, all those options are open to them. And other companies in this ecosystem have to think similarly. Hey, what do we do for final mile? What do we think about reverse logistics? What do we think about shopping and shipping methods? And and same thing, all these ERP companies and other e-commerce ecosystem try to think about, do we build it? Uh, Do we partner with someone? Or do we just acquire and make it much more end-to-end solution? So all those companies are are a fair play in this new new environment.
1: Okay. I'm going to let you go. Take care of the family. I'm really happy that uh, you've... uh maneuvered this last six months. Congratulations. Um, and uh, hopefully my listeners can uh, produce some leads for you. And then we'll, I'll call you regarding uh, some of the things we just discussed uh, separately, but have a great uh, rest of the summer. It's the last week in the summer and we'll talk to you soon.
0: As always, Howard, it's always a pleasure.
1: All right, buddy. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Bye now.
1: K Not. Hey, pretty cool, huh? Yeah. We got Dude, of it's, e-commerce. It's so, I'm really proud of that company. Yeah. We, we, we saw him just early. And early on, it was like, ah, I don't know if it can be big enough. And I get it. Like, a lot of these things just look like, you know, a lot of stuff had to go right. And we just had this big idea behind e-commerce when we were writing checks, you know, six, seven years ago. And uh, nothing's changed. I mean, but what an execution. It's so cool to see like, you know, no, he doesn't care about his brand. Obviously, Narvar I see everywhere, but like the regular people will start to notice their name when they start buying stuff. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I remember his daughter giving that presentation at a Palooza in Coronado. Is that right? Cool. that was a, that was a very cool idea. Very yeah. creative. Very creative. All right. The family. Canute, say hi to your fam. Will do. You too. All right, we'll see everybody soon. Panic with friends. Go to Spotify, subscribe, Apple, subscribe. Search my name, Howard Lindzen. Go to StockTwits. If you like what I have to say, howardlinzen.com. I have a daily free email. And uh, we'll see everybody soon.